When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour Football Acker. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. All right, lads, so we have loads of county finals coming up this weekend that we're going to preview in part three. And we have Andy Moran coming up. You see, let things calm down. Talk to Andy Moran. We won't talk to him in All-Ireland Week, but now he's clubber in a county final, so we're going to talk to him. So what's the biggest news of the week is that the Brick um, Walsh has retired. It's, look, to be honest, it's not big news. It's been coming. Um, surprise, maybe he went for another year. Um, this year didn't go brilliantly for him. The last game I saw him play or start was the league final against Limerick, and he was very poor that day. I think he was taken off. Or maybe he was... I think he was taken off at half-time in that game. Um, and then didn't see much championship action. He's 76 appearances... Doesn't sound that many in a football context, but hurling, obviously, traditionally, you didn't have to win that many games with the Munster League and the Leinster League. In the future, I'm sure any of those records will be, be will be beaten. An unbelievable player. If anyone loved the Waterford team of the noughties, like I did, probably would have Brick. I don't want to be disrespectful to Brick. Would have him down the list on the Ken McGraths and the Dan Shanahans and the John Milans, but he, is, he has bridged that gap from that brilliant team that everyone loved and then transformed himself into a forward in recent years and has kept ticking over a brilliant leader and a brilliant, graceful, outstanding player. Um, don't need you to analyse what kind of player he was, lads, but um, in fairness to him, he has won three All-Stars at centre-back and one in the forwards. That is not easy to Easily do done. and doesn't happen very often. Yeah, he's one of those players and it's like, oh, it's a shame he didn't win in All-Ireland, you know, but I think with players like that... Uh, like the very best players I don't think it matters sort of how many medals you win at the end of the, the day I think the ones that will be remembered throughout the ages are the ones who had just class skill class character 
he showed great spirit. Like the, like that goes way beyond trophy cabinets and it's yeah. just the stuff that the brick. Oh, well, uh, yeah, the brick will be remembered a lot more than a Kilkenny player with four All Irelands that wasn't one of yeah. the best players. Yeah. Like that's obvious. And Andy Moore in the same than a, than maybe a Dublin or a Kerry player that has a lot of All Irelands. So I don't. I still think they'd prefer the like. <laughs> <laughs> can we have a mixture of both? Can we be the legend and and have an All Ireland? I'm surprised he stayed on because I think it was last year after uh, Derek McGrath stepped down, he paid him a really beautiful, yeah. eloquent tribute and and, sa- ha- and had his. Child, child, children yeah. or children, child or children out in Thurlis on the pitch. So, like that's the <laughs> it, tell. It sounded say. like he was he was just about to go, and, and, and the way this season has turned out, it's a pity. Just as you as you say it, um, while you were gone, me and Conan were talking a little bit of hurting, and when we were talking, Noel McGrath. I mentioned that the only time I can remember uh, Brick Welsh being really in trouble as a centre-back was when Noel McGrath, I think, marked him in the 2010 semi-final and gave him a bit of a runaround. But apart from that, he was immense as a centre-back, like really good player. Maybe not as big a personality as some of the Waterford uh, players you mentioned earlier, Ken McGrath, Owen Kelly. He's a quiet man, very yeah. quiet man. So I text him about the coming onto the show mm. maybe for an interview after he retired. Read the text, no reply. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even get annoyed about it. That's Brick, so I got his number. I won't say who got his number off and the message was good luck talking to good luck talking to the bricks. So like I mean I kind of expected this uh this to happen. He followed Brian Corcoran's lead from centre back um to the forwards. Brian Corcoran in hurling obviously went from centre back all star to an all star at full forward and won two All Irelands then as a full forward and a very effective one. In hurling this has happened a a, a a little bit. Tommy Walsh is obviously just for me Tommy Walsh the up there in the top three greatest players that's ever played but then I can't say ever played because it's only the players I've seen <laughs> he's won all-stars in the ba- in the defence in midfield and in the forwards like wow absolutely wow and he played in midfield as well um, I definitely when he came onto the scene he was playing he was playing in midfield Ken McGrath won all-stars centre-back and centre-forward Brian Whelan from Offaly wing-back and full-forward I think he got player of the year at full-forward in football the one that stands out to me obviously is Graham Garrity who was my favourite player growing up and he went from wing-back to wing-forward to full-forward and I followed him exactly somebody I know just yeah. like a poor man's Graham Garrity <laughs> so in fantasy football if you've only got three million left you can't afford <laughs> Graham Garrity who will yeah. you get as an all-rounder you're on everyone's I'll bench <laughs> <laughs> you get two points every week yeah, no, no it's a four million one right you yeah. can't get any lower than no, four million unless the four million is gets injured and he drops down to 3.9 <laughs> as all rounders but it's not easy it's not easy to find these fellas um, Ryan McHugh Cannon has I think he's won an all star at wing back and wing forward but the way Ryan McHugh plays it's hard to know where the yeah. hell he's playing he, if he was wing forward or wing back he's playing the same way anyway that's it you're sort of cheating in modern day with the eight positions are more or less the same some midfielders are different but yeah McHugh 2016 and then 2018 under two different managers and we know Bonner was a bit more attacking yeah. using him so yeah. it was a different enough role I can't believe I told you twice Anthony McGurk Derry legend stick him in 1973 and 75 he was corner forward in 73 and he was wing back in, in uh, 75 so he went from the forwards to the backs yeah. That's, fa- that's very unusual. Around, yeah. well, Sean Lowry, actually, the Offaly player who was on our, our live show in Dublin, he went to the, from the forwards to the backs as well. It's usually the other way around because as you move on, it's very hard mentally, obviously, to change from not having to mark someone, which you didn't traditionally, yeah. you do now, mm. to actually having to mark someone. It's easier transition, I, pr- pr- I presume, the other way, the way I went. 
you go from the wing back and you're attacking wing back and you can score and then you try it in the forwards and this is fairy tale stuff you don't actually have to follow yeah. anyone mm. now so you've got complete freedom to attack and you know what they don't like as that's well that's just yeah. about to say yeah. <laughs> you know what they don't like but another thing is forwards don't mark you whereas backs mark you so there's <laughs> yeah, another you know you have to find your feet in the forwards as well but it, it's definitely an interesting one and it's a huge to win an all-star number one is massive You well you obviously have lads like Aidan O'Shea James McCarthy, Brian Howard who have kind of gone from midfield to the forwards and the way the all-stars are picked you know it, it might be just they have won all-stars in different positions but to do it in the backs and then do it in the forwards number one you have to have your county having a really good year which is really difficult for a lot of counties you have to potentially win something you have to um, be outstanding as a defender for the whole year and then you have to be outstanding as a forward in another year it's not easily done and there, I think Jar Power from Kerry did it as well he went from wing back yeah, I, I, I didn't know I that, that too, yeah. didn't know he played wing back either because he was such a, a, a lethal forward but uh, yeah Graham Garrity probably the, the, the best all rounder for me yeah especially to be able to do it as you said like Brian McHugh has kind of flitted between kind of half forward you know half back midfield but like wing back and full forward are like really specialist positions. Yeah, so to that's be able a good to be transition, that good and yeah. get all stars is a real kind of testament to how, how good and how adaptable you can be as well. Yeah, exactly. So there's other news in Waterford and that is that Liam Cal has dropped uh, Morris Shanahan and Noel Connors. Noel Connors was captain last year and we know there was some issues with Porrick Fanning and members of the squad and the perception is that they downed tools and that um, there was players pulling against him. And Liam Cowell's having none of this shit. So, like, I mean, he's clearly identified Noel Connors and Morris Shanahan as potentially, I'm speculating here, what Noel Connors especially, as captain last year, you'd imagine should be back in. You'd say Morris Shanahan might be pushing on a little bit, but he's still one of the best players in, in water for club hurling and he'd have a huge amount to offer the squad, maybe even as an impact sub, because he always seems to get into the game. And Liam Cal obviously isn't from Waterford, so they reckon that it's Stephen Malumpy and Stephen Frampton who potentially give him some information or some advice. It's a, it's a huge step. I don't know, as a new manager, I'd come in and give them all a clean slate. Yeah, and if yeah. I saw these lads in any way influence in a dressing room, I would be, you know, getting rid of them then. But I don't, I don't think that's the right thing to do for a new manager. I think you need to be strong enough to be able to say, right, okay, there's some big characters in there, potential troublemakers, but I'd be able, I'm well able to sort them out. Yeah, and both Frampton and Malumphy would have played with both Connors and Morris Shannon as well, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that might make for a few awkward conversations. But like, huge news, lads. So it really is. If, if it wasn't Dean Cal's decision, they obviously had something to do with it or they didn't put up a strong enough ob- objection to yeah. him removing them in the first place. So this is, a, this is a massive, this strikes me as a statement. This like, yeah. right, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. This, 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 I'm going to be the boss, basically. I, I, would, I would disagree with it. Would yeah, you, would yeah. you, do you think well, it's the right thing to do? Without, it's it's not knowing, often you see it. It's without knowing the enough ins about outs, the reasons yeah. for, yeah. for I, w- I would on the face of it disagree On the surface, yeah. On the surface. Uh, like I think a better statement would be yeah, to give everybody a clean slate. And if, like we don't know, if these boys were acting up last year. Then Why were they acting up? You yeah. know, you have to ask mm. that question and, too. Yeah, exactly. I, I always think the manager has a lot to play in that. He's the one who has to get them under control. And if they've lost faith in him, then like, you're, I'm sorry. Like, you know, that's, that's harsh sometimes, but you're not doing that good a job if you've lost the dressing room. Yeah. Sometimes the dressing room might act up themselves but whatever like you know I think if a manager comes in and says we've all got a clean slate and actually if they were acting up last year then they would have been more likely to give this manager a, a better chance yeah and why, like, didn't oh, they, why didn't they act up under Derek McGrath like okay we're, we're commenting without knowing yeah, potential yeah, information yeah, they yeah. might have so like I mean it's again like Connor, like Connor says on the face of it it doesn't look like the right thing to do for us yeah the Connors one is just mad though like you have to think there is something to it like 
for the last 10 years he's been one of the most consistent cornerbacks yeah. in Hurling even I know that yeah. do you know when it's just strange to go from captain to not being part mm. of the panel like you know even if you thought he might not be a starter surely he has some sort of character that he can use around the place yeah he's obviously a really strong personality though Liam Kelly or Liam Callow because he's setting himself up for a fall here if it goes wrong for Waterford next year it's like well what what were you doing in the first place getting rid of Noel Connors and Morris Shannon so early without yeah. even giving them a shot yeah no I agree I agree I think he's put himself under pressure definitely although maybe there's people in Waterford think it's the right thing um, we'll definitely keep our eye on it so um, the examiner are reporting some counties that are going to back to tier two um, obviously Congress is on this weekend this Saturday so Cavan, London, Leitrim Limerick, Sligo, Waterford Westmead, Wexford and Wicklow have indicated that they're going to they're going to support the tier 2 interestingly London, Leitrim Limerick, Sligo, Waterford Wexford and Wicklow are all tier 2 um, counties so the whole idea that the, the weaker counties don't want this um, I don't think that's uh, the case at all um, against it are Carlo, Leash, Longford Offaly and Tip obviously Carlo and Longford are in that. So they're two examples, but they're definitely out, outnumbered and awfully um, as well. Tip are in it too, but Tip aren't a tier two county really, are they? They'll be out of that next year. They'll, be, they'll get out. You know, like, I mean, I wouldn't see Tip. They might have to put up with it for a year, <laughs> but they won't be there um, full time. On the day then, indicated that Cork, Kerry and Mead will be deciding on the day. So their delegate's going to go, I'm going to go whatever way I want. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. So Donald O'Sullivan, who's joint Limerick captain, was talking in the 42 and he says, unfortunately, sometimes you see people who have negative conception, conceptions about the tier two tend to shout about it the loudest. I think it's definitely worth a trial. See, I don't think this is a trial, though, Donald, if we're being honest. So he says it definitely worth a trial. I'd say a try. Um, like with anything, try to expand on it, improve it. Yeah, you could potentially be a way of helping. There's a whole lot of white noise around it. You're never really going to get universal agreement from teams and managers who have different agendas. I feel they just have to go ahead and do it. I couldn't agree more with that. This thing of trying to find a consensus on something like this with so many... Uh, kind of teams and players yeah, with vested in it's impossible like I mean so you listen to it and whatever but you decide this is what we're doing we think this is best we could be wrong you know and we can improve on it in two or three years and that's the way to go about it because Kieran McKenna Antrim chairman he's very much against it um, he said I think it's a dressed up Tommy Murphy Cup it's not it's not a dressed up Tommy Murphy Cup, which was only for Division 4 teams. It's not at all. He's saying then the difference is I don't think we'll come back from this. My own personal opinion is that a second tier wouldn't be good for Mantram or the GEA. Right. That's just uh, an opinion. You're moving towards elitism. Well, how is how is it not? It's moving towards elitism as it is. Mm. You know, like, I mean, the whole beauty of the GEA is that every county taking part is in the same competition not a club level, then he says, you have a chance of David slaying Goliath and the so- so-called smaller counties going on a run in the All-Earned Series. Tell me the last time Ar- Antrim slayed Goliath. You know, that's just, uh, that's based on history rather than based on, don't think of a quick, you yeah, want to think of one, got go on. to the Ulster final in 2010, was it? Yeah, but then they, they still can do that. And then they'll be, they'll be exempt from the tier two the yeah. following year. So, like, I mean, you know, sometimes when you hear this, I think it's a dressed up Tommy Murphy Cup. It's not, Kieran. It, it's not. <laughs> sort of is, though, isn't it? Like, well, it's not. D- Division three teams are added into it. Yeah, well, it's, it's half the country. Mm. You know, there's <laughs> well, no, tipper- it's eight more teams. Like, you Tipperary know. and Cork. Well, it's half the country between the two, 16 teams. It's half the playing teams. So it's not an embarrassing just Division 4 thing. It's yeah. different than the Tommy Murphy Cup. Like, I agree with what you're saying. Like, you're not going to get a consensus and stuff like this. You're not. But, yeah, um, yeah I would just rather it would be 
a, a fair way of entering into a tier two competition if you were doing it. Ah, yeah, I disagree. I I want a tier two. I I don't particularly like this tier yeah. two. You know, I, there's there's no doubt about that. And like we talked about last week. It'll only last a year if it's overruled next yeah. year in, mm-hmm. in Congress with the, the task, uh, the, what's it called? The task committee or whatever. Task That's force. Yeah. Task force committee. Force, yeah. I think it's force. <laughs> so next it Febu- should be. <laughs> next February, this could be overruled. Although you have to admit, will there be the appetite to change it again next February? And is this task force committee a complete let's keep them all quiet, let's give them what they want, it won't get through and we'll continue on as we are. Do you know what I mean? I'd yeah. be, would, would Congress have the appetite to tweak this now next year without having even seen it? It's a terrible mess, lads. Mm. It's a terrible, terrible mess. I really want to talk to John Horan and I'm, fi- I'm at a bit of a, uh, I don't know how to say it, if, if there's been, the progress is, yeah, I'm at a bit of a, a block, a roadblock on getting him onto the show. He wants to come on the show, but it just ironing out the finer details of how to, how to, when to do that. Because for me, this is a complete clusterfuck. It is, lads. It's a, clus- it's a complete mess that next February, this could be overruled. And even if it's not, what is this, the task force committee who is made up of all the stakeholders that everybody wants and will have it done fairly and with most it'll get the most consensus right because it'll have representatives from everyone that that's either going to be a waste of time next february because people won't want to change it without having seen the other one or else they're going to change it (laughs) do you know what i mean that's gas it's absolutely gas paul early's been given out about the sin bin we're all for the sin bin here on the show there's a consensus reached amongst us that we like the sin bin he's given out about it he has a point of course that we've mentioned this during the during the league he says if a sin bin is introduced you'll have all sorts of tricks being used to undermine or to minimize the amount of play time during those 10 minutes and what happens when a player goes down injured and play is held up for a few minutes during the sin bin period what happens to the seconds lost when subs are being brought in Time, time loss for both these can be added on at the end of the half, but a team wouldn't have been down to 14 players for the full sin bin 10 minutes. Completely agree that that's a, a slight issue. And you would imagine that after a year of seeing that, the shot clock will very, or the, the time clock will very quickly be brought in and the time will be stopped for breaks in play on the clock mm. on the, and that's, yeah. that's a fix yeah. for that so didn't it happen didn't it happen during, during the league I think a few times when you know, it, it was 10 minute sim bins and there was something like an 8 minute injury yeah. and you yeah. know, didn't end up costing the team yeah. at all no there's, there's absolute ways around this and like the, the point is that he's right but that's no reason not to bring it in because yeah. there is a solution for that when that happens we, it, every, I think the shot clock would fly through it's a no brainer it works so clearly and cleanly in the women's game I just don't see why, and it, it takes all the pressure away from referees. Everyone in the ground knows where yeah. their team stands as regards the time. The time. Yeah. You're not, there's no, there'd be no awfully and clear in 98 where the referee's blown it up early and Claire gets screwed over out of an All-Ireland, awfully go on to win it because the referee blew it up two minutes early, even though Claire, I think Claire were three, four points up at the time mm-hmm. and awfully get a replay and beat them. <laughs> yeah. The shot yeah. clock just uh, will fix that. Yeah, bringing in the Simbin will, yeah, that, that will indirectly then end up fixing the problem with referees yes. and the times that they're adding yes. on and how many times have we sat here adding up how much time should have been added on compared to how much was actually added up. So we'll have to align the, the Simbin with the Injury time. Yeah, exactly. So DJ Carey has been talking. We know he's on the Kilkenny backroom team. He hasn't replaced... Um, he hasn't replaced Mick Dempsey he's, re- he's replaced McGarry as a selector 
Um, so maybe he'll do a bit of coaching as well. But he says he was on uh, Game On on 2FM. He says, I stepped down from the under-20s to take a break from it. All of a sudden, I get a call a couple of days later to see would I meet Brian. Wonder was that from Brian or from somebody else? <laughs> um, I didn't realise what it was. He didn't give me much away on the phone. Okay, it was from Brian, or the person organising it for Brian didn't give much away. I had some. Re- this is the bit I love. I had some reservations. One of my sons, Michael, is on the extended senior panel um, in, for 2019. Obviously, he'd be looking to make the step up next year, and I had reservations on that myself. And then one of the greatest lines ever: <laughs> He. Didn't accept that as an excuse, <laughs> yeah. so here we are. <laughs> so DJ Carey doesn't just stand a chance with Brian Cody. He's like, what are you saying, DJ? I'm not even entertaining that excuse. And that's it. So here's the way DJ says it. He didn't accept it as an excuse, so here we are. Like, yeah. Almost against my wishes, I'm yeah. in as a selector. You just don't say no to Brian Cody. Basically, the book when your son stops with me and you won't have anything to do but that's it. But that is it. That is a reservation for DJ, you have to say. Like, I mean, because traditionally, and I hated this, and I'm sure it happened in Derry and happened in in um, Mayo. And I, I, like, God, you just want to move away from it. Is that a selector from a club gets in on a new management team and suddenly there's three or four lads from his club on the panel who had never been on the panel before. Did that happen in your in your counties? Because it's, it's just wrong. It's just ridiculous. And I don't understand why selectors do it. Because if I was a selector from a weaker club, I would do the opposite. I wouldn't like it to be seen that I'm yeah. pulling lads in out of favouritism. But like, I mean, the lads just, geez, you look after your own now and you get to me. And even though you know they're not good enough, yeah. you just have yeah. them on it. And it's a bit of politics amongst the selectors because another selector might get one or two of his lads on it. So he'll give the green light to his one or two yeah, lads. Yeah. And it's, I think we've moved away from that, lads. <laughs> I'm thinking like, yeah, it's really annoying, but then I've seen it happening in our club in Derry where you're like oh actually that's good we got a couple of lads on underage panels here now like you know when you benefit from it you're you're happy enough and I'd probably yeah. still do the same but it's not more a, of an underage thing I would say than, yeah. than at a senior level yeah. Yeah. not even out of bias I think it's I think remember you said one time that you rate your club way higher than it actually is maybe and the guys maybe, maybe there's the an innocence to it yeah. yeah yeah maybe that's it yeah but I don't know lads I think it's definitely I think it's going I think selectors I think the day of the selector might be going too. Like I see Mike Quirk doesn't have too many selectors. He has Morris Horan in his backroom team. He announced his backroom team and he has another fella. There's just three of them from what I read and then there's a strength and conditioner fella and everything. I don't think you need these traditional three selectors. What did they do anyways? Yeah, too many like, cooks I mean, spoil the broad. Too many well. cooks spoil the broad. And if I'm a manager of a team and I, I want to pick the team. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to have a meeting with fellas about how to pick the team. Yeah. No, I like having a coach and having a, maybe one or two coaches who will give their opinions to me, but I'm picking them. It's my responsibility. So I think the traditional management team of selectors, and I remember all the way up along, you know your team meetings and the selectors say a word and then the other selectors say a word and then it started progressing on where managers would cut the selectors' speeches out because, you know, it was getting too, the meetings were too long and all that dynamic, I think... Traditionally, yeah. I, I think it's it's move, it's going to move past that. You mean you're in a changing room as well, and you get an amazing speech from the manager, and then you're all but you run out, <laughs> and then just just one more thing, lads, and it's a selector who wants to just say some nonsense. Yeah, or or a couple of the club chairman is get yeah. out, <laughs> 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 trying to insert yeah. himself into this brilliant day. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's it's um, outrageous. Ty Canelli was talking somewhere. I'm not sure it was. I saw this on. Oh, he's talking in the daily in the in the Daily Star, and he says that he's complimenting uh, Jim Gavin. 
and Dublin and he says Jim has to take enormous credit because they're selfless it's all about the team they put their egos aside and I would completely agree with all of that they do remind me an awful lot of our own club out here the Swans they're very respectful it's all about the team it's not about you put your ego at the door when you walk in there's a policy here in Sydney we call it the no dickhead policy basically that's Dublin then you put the talent on top of that so he gives enormous credit. The no dickhead policy is a New Zealand thing. It's the not a Sydney. Blacks. It's the All Blacks. The All Blacks came up with that. And it scares me because I don't know what panel I would ever been on if, <laughs> if uh, dickheads weren't allowed. Because I, I, I would welcome the odd dickhead onto a panel. And here's the thing. This ego thing, it drives me mad because Real Madrid would not have won the three European Cups that was never done yeah. without Ronaldo. And what is Ronaldo? He doesn't leave his ego at the door. Messi doesn't leave his ego at the door. Messi's no problem saying, Ibrahimovic, get out of number nine. I'm there. You're out in the wing, even though, you know, like, I mean, how does it work so well in one code? And then rugby might get rid of somebody like that. And GEA is maybe kind of, you know, basing itself on rugby a little bit more. Obviously, with the AIG connection with Dublin and New Zealand, that's exactly what Dublin, mm. Dublin do. So they are completely anti-ego. <clears throat> What's wrong with a forward having an ego, lads? 100%. Yeah, know? it just irks me. So, what the, the what irks me probably the same as you is the perception that everybody has to be like Dublin if they want to be successful, oh, which is not, which is not yeah. the case. Like, there, there was a guy that used to be in the Dublin setup. He was called Fergus Connolly. He was involved in various. I think he was with the Welsh rugby. He was involved with an American football team as well. And he did an interview with Paul Kimmage a couple of years ago. He said. Uh, you can write, you can print this. Mayo will never win in All Ireland as long as Aidan O'Shea is playing yeah. for them. Why? Because he was in a TV show. Yeah. Brendan Maher was in the same TV show the same year. Yeah. Captain tipped to an All Ireland. Yeah. But the but but the fact is is that this perception gets out there yeah. and people believe in it. And just even with the the no dickheads thing, every GA club in the in the country yeah. is at that now. Every GA club in the country is sweeping the sheds, oh, take, yeah. taking a photo of it afterwards, and then putting it up on Twitter. Didn't, didn't, we Clu- didn't Cluxton uh, do it after the All Ireland? He swept the dressing room like, give yeah, me a break. Was, like, yeah. I mean, I know John Heslin did it after a county final, and I'm sure we got him on the, fo- yeah. the phone. No, I agree, Connor. I completely agree. You can finish your point. Sorry for interrupting. Well, no, it, it's just that like it, this is like I see that as good manners. I don't see that as oh, aren't we great that we're no dickheads? We're, we're just, winning because of this. We're yeah, not winning. Yeah. But that, but that, that, that feeds into whole the perception. People think oh, we're adopting this culture. Give me a break. Yeah, no, I agree. John Heslin did it when everything had died down. Remember, I remember you telling me the story and I had goosebumps. It was about this one little light that was on in the club house, but everybody had left and he was there cleaning it up. Stephen Cluxton was cleaning it up as everyone was trying to celebrate winning a fifth all Ireland. And, <laughs> was and he's he? like, Yeah, there's a video. I think it's Cormac yeah. Costa who's ah, like roaring down the camera. Lately. That's yeah. cringeworthy. The first was on in the background. Yeah, yeah. The, the rap music. Yeah. And everyone's bouncing around and he's trying to get underneath the chairs and stuff. To, like, You're right. Like, Heslin, the county chairman, came back across to see the light was still on the restroom and caught John Heslin doing it. And it was the county chairman that's, that spoke yeah. about this. So we give John Heslin a break. I still don't know why he bloody did it after winning the county title. <laughs> but I love it. Like Key and Mackey, this year right so Keen Mackey last year he went around to the schools which is the right thing to do going around to the schools with the cup now I've won six county titles I never went to any school I went to the pub I celebrated it. a panel is made up of all different fellas you have some of the more sensible fellas yeah. that do that school run and Keen Mackey last year went AWOL we couldn't get him on the show he didn't do the school run this year after the second one celebrations aren't as crazy he did the school thing there's nothing wrong with like, the way the culture is now everyone has to go to the school run and everybody yeah. has to be this perfect human being and they all use that word human being <laughs> and you know you have to be this role Jesus Christ like I mean if I, if I was told to clean up the dressing room after winning the county title I'd say get to be get, get one of the county secretary to do it <laughs> <laughs> why am I doing that 
Why would I be sweeping the dressing room? I just won a county title. I'm going down to town. But that's it, like you know, and the, the dickhead thing is is fascinating because people are maybe different. I'm a dickhead. Yeah, but like, but I would love to be in your team, like even though you are a dickhead, like, you know, because <laughs> it would be a bit of crack. You'd be like, oh, Willie's at it again, like you yeah, know. But there'd be no children in the parade. Anyway, though, <laughs> exactly. You know? Like people are different, so you just you just manage yeah. it. And it's the same with you know every team where a lot of teams have a psychopath and. You know, yeah, people don't like him. Man. There's yeah. different characters. Yeah. But yeah. when he's your psychopath, you, you enjoy it. Like you know, it's a different. <laughs> it's a different dynamic to your team. Yeah. No, I completely agreed. I think they're trying to make everyone the same and everyone mm. humble and everybody you know gracious. And sure, that's not everybody's personality. Exactly, yeah. I welcome all the different personalities and manage them, mm. because if you make everyone the same, then it's uh, Jim Gavin just has an easy job. They're all afraid of him. They're all getting dropped. What does he ever have to manage? <laughs> Whoever steps out of line. Yeah. It's the army lads. That's what it is. And I don't think it's a model. Dublin are winning all Ireland because of they're brilliant. I would hate every county to copy this model. Mm. And like, if you want to do charity work, do charity work. It's great to do it. If you don't want to do it, you know, don't do it. Yeah, it's not a like reflection it, on your it's ability. It's a reflection on your ability as a player or anything, you know, or... I don't know even as a person you might do other really good things in your life you might not necessarily volunteer for charity but you you might look after your sick relative and might be a really good person you know am I making sense have to do that mm. to prove that you're humble well, it's, it's and you're good great. that some of them are using their platform as a high profile GA player brilliant. to do that but, but it doesn't have to be applied, applied across the board exactly you do that if you want to do it you don't do it for the perception of doing it. That's the point yeah. I'm trying to make. I'm just trying to think now, though, about like you know fundraisers and stuff where most people t- can be bothered to do it, but it's like you sort of have to contribute because you're getting so much benefits throughout the year yeah. in a club team. So what? Like, surely you all have to sort of chip in there, right? Yeah, you probably help out. Yeah, you should help out with fundraisers and stuff for your club. Talking about fundraisers, Dear McConnelly is, raff- is raffling off his all Ireland final jersey. So this is for uh, Mustard Seed Communities. It's a charity... Um, it's dedicated for caring for disabled and abandoned children in different countries in Central uh, in Central America and in Africa as well. So he's looking for 10 euros for his jersey. And I was interested in this, just clicked on it. And then I saw a, a lovely Dublin jersey with number 19 on it. <laughs> I was like, eh, eh. <laughs> I don't want that jersey. Uh, you know what my aversion to substitutes, to being a sub number one, yeah. to substitutes in general. Don't like mixing with them. Don't really like talking to substitutes. Definitely don't want to substitute jersey. Yeah. And it just brought me back thinking of, uh, no, everybody should still give to the charity anyway. <laughs> but it brought me back thinking of when you're playing. And don't know if you've any experience of this in the club game. You probably don't because you can't swap uh, club jerseys. But you're on the field and you're playing wing back, wing forward, wherever, and a sub ends up <laughs> marking you. You've planned to swap the jersey and straight away, poker face, this lad will turn around, shake your hand and start taking his jersey off. <laughs> I'm thinking, mate, no, I want to keep my jersey today. And then you pass by a midfielder. Mate, do you want to swap? <laughs> because you always, like, it's even, I was weird. I wanted 14, 11, 8. I wanted a cool number, yeah, yeah. you know, even when you're swapping jerseys and keeping them. And I don't know, there's just something. If you swap a jersey with, with a sub, you're just, you're just <laughs> devastated walking in, <laughs> walking in off the field. And that sub's eyeing you up as well because you've got a starter's jersey. And oh, it's yeah. Like, here, give me that one. I'll never forget, um, back in 97, we'd, we'd won the all Minor 96 and a good friend of mine, um, Kevin Fitzpatrick, made the senior squad in 97. I was under 21, 97. I made my debut in 98. But he got on at the end of a league final against Derry. Um, or maybe he didn't get on. He was warming up the whole game. I don't think he got on. But after the game, he ran out to Anthony Tohill and swapped jerseys with him. And I was in the Cusick stand going, I was watching him like a hawk. He swapped with Anthony. He has Anthony Tohill's jersey. <laughs> and then I was thinking, fair play to Anthony Tohill for swapping his jersey with a, a leash sub. 
So Anthony Toll obviously doesn't have the same aversion <laughs> as me. Or probably had so many jerseys collected from his, his uh, prestigious yeah, yeah. career that he didn't mind swapping with us. Well, that's the thing. Case. Back in those days, you can still frame it. There was no numbers on the front. So you can oh, still yeah. hide your subs jersey. Now they have the, the number here. So that's why Dear McConnelly has Take the number the one off, it'll look like a number nine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did, did you have uh, an Anthony Toholt? Did you like have I anybody? I think I might have got Canavan's get? number. I don't know. I wasn't massively into it. I was for a little while, and then I kind of went went out of it and started keeping my leash jerseys to have them and to yeah. give them to people. Uh, you go. I went went through phases. Um, I think I might have got Canavan's after a league final. I'm not too sure, but I wouldn't have a big list of. Uh, like again running up to Canavan you're meant to actually you're not on his level but psychologically you're meant to be thinking you're on his yeah, le- yeah. on their level or why are you playing against them this was in 03 we were trying to become a big team and you don't want to be giddy about getting jerseys at that stage yeah. you know maybe at the start you are how many jerseys do you get to give away like a season like after every league game after every championship after game after every championship just, game well, well that's what we were able to do anyways yeah yeah. after every championship game I don't know if it's changed or, or what it is um yeah, but we would. And then maybe it changed the finals. It depends on how great, how what kind of a mood the county board are in. <laughs> yeah. um, it's hard to fully remember. Anyways, that's it. So go support uh, Dear McConnelly's um, jersey uh, raffle. Um, that's the message from this. Right, we'll come back and we'll talk to Andy Moran. Happiness hit her like a train on a track. I don't really know Jim anymore. Me and him were like best friends when, when we played, you know. He's seen the light of Jesus and uh, I'm still like fighting the devil, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the dog days are over. The dog days are done. So Bella Hadrine are back in the Mayo Club final for the first time since 2012 and Andy Moran joins us on the line now. Andy, how's it going? All good, all good, Willie. Just preparing for for Saturday. Yeah, it's kind of an unexpected county final for you. Would that be fair to say? Ah, it is. Yeah, it's. it's we, we, I suppose it's been dominated um, over the last couple of years between Castlebar and Ballantubber, and Joe Brafey tried to break into that trio, but then three have been dominating the finals for a long time now in Mayo. So it's um, it's good. We've we've got some real good, exciting young players. So. We expected to go well. We got to a semi-final last year, but we had a really good performance there in the semi-final against Castlebar. So we're, 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 we're happy where we're at, you know. Well, that's the thing. You were relegated from the league. Is that right this year? We were, but like in, 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 I, I think the league and the championship now, more so than Anton in club football, is, is completely different competitions in terms of, like we wouldn't have county players for the league. So right. basically myself and David Drake have been gone Keen Hanley and Chiroz, they were both in the county panel earlier in the year, and then you have David McBride and Cooper in with under 20. So we had six or seven out of the 20, 20 22 players gone for the whole year. So it's, um, yeah, it was, it, it was a difficult league for us. But now we were losing games by a point or two, but with six or seven players gone out of a small club, small town, it was, uh, it was a really difficult one, you know? Ah, right, okay. So then when you come back, you give the whole club a huge boost and you kind of take it from there. Your year starts when Mayo finish, I suppose, then. It kind of does. Like the way the championship is set up for us is we play our first round in April. We played Clermont. We we won by a point. Um, we won by a point, which was which was a huge result because they're a good young team as well. But then you go back into the county scene then again. So you miss all them league games in between that championship game and the second championship game. So when we come back, then it kind of all kind of kicks off again. It's not 
the, the, the other lads were doing really well but were losing games by that point or two where the players that were missing would have probably made that difference you know Right okay so it was an unbelievable performance in against Castlebar like obviously they've been the standard bearers in Mayo and you, you beat them very convincingly Andy it wasn't for their goalkeeper like you, you could have hammered them um, so like I mean that was a surprise nationally definitely yeah, we had a standout performance. Uh, I, I think going into the game, we probably knew that we probably had to play at 90 to 100%, you know, and hope the Castle Bar would be at about 60, 70%. And that's the way it turned out to give us uh, a bit of belief and get us going. But then all of a sudden, after 10 minutes, we're 5 0 up. And then the, the, the guys just kicked on. The younger fellas who have been having really good years, um, really good last year, last 12 months, and then pushed on again this year, just really took off. So we've, we've a couple of young guys in around the field, the likes of Ryan Lynch and Dylan Feeney and Luke O'Grady, who wouldn't have been heard of, who've, who've provided huge boost to us throughout the year. And they, when we went 5-0 up, it kind of seemed to give them the confidence and we kind of just pushed on from there. Casabara then had to come out, kind of play. They're kind of an older, kind of wiser team. They usually kind of dictate the game and kind of sit in and kind of jump, chip away at you. Where we went 5-0 up and it made them come out and it kind of suited us. Yeah, so you won the final back in 2012. You missed it with a knee injury. Um, Killian O'Connor, actually, funnily enough, was Ballantubber and you beat them well. They were going for three in a row. And then that team broke up and you keep mentioning the younger fellas. In 2012, did you see these young fellas coming up at under 12 thinking we're going to come again or, you know, was it a slow burner? Yeah, so just to give you a bit of background on it, we, we in 2008, that was kind of a, a cycle. Like, we really came on the scene in North 6, North 7, where we should have won one in 6. Didn't win it. Kieran McDonald and Father Gardner pulled out a bit of mad, mad bit of magic for Cross Malina, and they just brought us to a draw and bet us in the replay. We had a really good team. It was really the only year we had Peter Sandley for the full year in 2007. And he, 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 he went off the next year, came back. And then we won it in North 8, which was kind of, I, I, was it a joyless kind of win? It was a really good win, but we, we had so much effort put into it in 6-7 that it was really tough. And then that team, the 1-12, and 12, was kind of the end of that team. The lads right. were just moving away. Joe liked Andy Hanley, David Kilcullen, who had played from your previous, Jimmy Kilcullen, Joe all getting married, having kids, moving away to some of them to America and all, all over the place. So we knew that team was breaking at that stage. Um, did we see this team coming? Um Possibly not, but there was great signs last year. Like a real big moment last year was Keane Hanley, Pierce's, or Pierce's brother, came yeah. home from Brisbane Lions after being away for four years. Like he was minor captain in Mayo, a real kind of hot shot, hot shot when he was younger, real talent player, and came back. And that was a game changer for us. We've this young guy, David McBride, coming through, who's hopefully going to be a real big player for Mayo in the future. And then Kuba Callahan, who's a forward. So we had three, four players there coming back into the cycle, which you know yourself in a club team is just. It's just huge, and particularly Keane really gave us kind of that outlet and that kind of belief to push it on. So, yeah. did we see it coming maybe three, four years ago? Maybe not. But as soon as Keane arrives and Dave McBride then pushes through to the under twenties and Kuba Callan pushes through to the twenties, then you've got then you've got a chance. Yeah, and uh, tell us, talk to me quickly about Keane Handley. I want to talk to him on the show as well. I suppose there's a lot of pressure on him coming back in. You know, after being in Australia, it's the same pressure on all of the lads coming back, and. You know, he hasn't broken in onto the team. What, what, he plays centre-half forward for Balahadreen and I think that's his best uh, position according to what I hear. What, what kind of player is he and like, can you expect well, that, after? Well, that's what he'd tell you. He'd tell you he's number 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Honestly, he can really play between anywhere between 7 and 12. Like he's, he's kind of that first time just yeah. from, his, from his life in, in Australia because they go over there and play a lot of kind of our wing-back position. So yeah. it's... Um, that he, he could definitely play in that position and his tackling is, is brilliant. But 
I see it with all the younger guys coming back, all the lads that went over to Australia, tried it and come back. They've all struggled. Like, like every single one of them. I don't think any of them have come back and you know, just fitted back into it. And it's not because yeah. their football ability is dwindling anywhere or form. It's definitely a psychological thing. And I think as the GA gets more used to this situation happening, it's probably something that we need to look at to make sure that them pathways are available for these guys coming back. Because these guys are playing professional football for four years. And then they're coming back into strictly an amateur game, and and they're so they're expect yeah they're expected they're expected to be playing on this bigger higher level than all the rest and be the star of the show and you know it, it takes a while to get settled back in and get the skills uh, back right uh, and stuff. exactly and the skills is one thing but then it's your lifestyle is the other thing you have to go yeah. and work and you have to go and get up and you have to pay bills and you have to you know, deal with all this kind of massive change all of a sudden you're looking at going to college and all that so yes the skills and the football is huge but away from the football is is, is probably bigger probably a bigger obstacle for them like even seeing the likes of Tiger who was more mature when he came back did he last a year I think he lasted a year Martin Clark came back went again I think you know like these guys who were kind of older than the likes of Keane and Daniel Flynn and these guys and you know they, they even struggled coming back like in you know, we know how good of players they were, you know. So I, I just think it's probably something that we need to look at at a greater scale. But in terms of in terms of Kane, it, I, I think year two now has been much better than him. His body is kind of reacting to the training. His skill level has definitely gone up and kind of his life and everything like that has kind of taken shape now. So you can see it reflected and hopefully it reflects again on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. Come here, I meant to uh, talk to you about your retirement and stuff. I didn't ring you at the time because I was given out about you retiring in all Ireland final week. I compared it to getting engaged at someone else's <laughs> wedding. <laughs> yeah, but like, I'd be naive enough when it comes to <laughs> things like this. And it was... Uh, yeah, I yeah, it was, it was. I thought it might slip in under the radar a tiny bit, but it it, it kind of it kind of took off. But listen, it's uh, I'm glad it's done. And then, of course, the match went to a replay, so it, it didn't really make any difference. No, it didn't make it. And then, and then, Jerk Cafferty <laughs> did it for the replays. <laughs> is that what happened? Is that the way it happened? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no. Listen, it, it was. Um, yeah, we kind of just we, we we put it out there. Um, it just and it it, it kind of took off and it was uh, but I'm glad it's done and the way the way it kind of happened it kind of happened quickly and then all Ireland finally started so it was it was actually it was a, it might have been a bit you know a bit of a, an unusual week to do but it actually worked out quite well for me so it was um, yeah it was fine and. Glad it's done and it's time to just kind of move on now, you know? Well, that's the thing. And should I presume, like, no point in asking you, has it sunk in? Because if you hadn't retired, your life would be the exact same at this time of the year anyway. You'd be playing club football, you know, it, outside of maybe being on a WhatsApp group, nothing really has changed for you at the moment. No, and you you, you understand that from your time. Like, it's 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 not till the game starts till you think, oh, could I do that or could I do this? And you're going watching the games and you're ringing the kids. So it's not till you actually go to the game next January, February, March and you see the lads playing and then then you'll know if it's really affecting you or not. At this minute, like we came back into the club scene, we're busy with work, it's kind of moving on. Yes, there's little things happening with me all here and there and you're kind of being a bit nosy and you're asking questions probably that you shouldn't be asking because all of a sudden you're a supporter, not a player. But yeah, then things, then things are going ahead. But... At the minute, it's fine. It's uh, it's been nice, actually. To be honest, it's been uh, you know I don't have to think about doing a body fat or a DEXA scan test now in the next couple of weeks or anything like that. So there's parts of it that's really enjoyable as well. Yeah, but like I mean, you're training every day in your work anyway. You don't worry <laughs> about those kind of tests, surely. 
I was the one fella that always had to worry about them tests, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, that, they used to be the big... I remember going for my last one in May and it was just... Uh, I was thinking, this is my last one of these that I'll ever have to do. So that that, that, that was good. So it was... Um, yeah, listen, it's it's there's, there's perks to it and of course you miss the lads and you kind of thing. But the club thing kind of distracts you and it kind of just lets you get on with other things. And it's what to do next now, Willie, is the is the big thing. I've got like, you know, there's been phone calls and things like that. But if, if I'm being honest, I still haven't really decided what kind of route I want to go down from now so it's um, yeah the, the next couple of weeks and months are that, that that's the biggest decision for the first time since 2002 I don't really know what what's going to happen in January so we, we, we're just sitting and waiting and kind of thinking about that at the minute you know Yeah well that's the thing I suppose that's the decision whether to go cold turkey away from the game or whether to maybe go into a bit of punditry you know and, and stay involved in it and stay close to it and you know it, it doesn't compare to it but at least you know you're kind of involved in the in the year yeah, and that, that, that's it. And like the one thing that really always attracted me was the coaching side of it. So, uh, but like if you go back into the coaching, you're you're, you're right back in it. You know, it's, it's like yeah. it's basically you're not taking a break at all. So that's kind of the the position we're in. It's uh, the the you know, I, I, like I'd be kind of always kind of interested in kind of the tactical side of it, how it moves. Joe, what are the big kind of Joe, what are the big kind of moves that are being made around the field? How Joe, even like going to the Ireland replay, Joe, how, how tactically that game kind of evolved was was fascinating. So they're the kind of things that interest me. Like, do are we going to jump back into the kind of coaching straight away? That's that that it, it's hard, it's hard to know, but it's definitely an option on the table. Um, I suppose my little girl will start under sixes next year, so that'll be my first kind of. I'm in my first position then and we from there after that, you know? Yeah, well I suppose if that's the thing, if you're if you're retiring because it's not like your form has been poor, like you've been still affecting games in a positive way. If you're retiring because of family and stuff, it'll be a hard sell at home in the house to, to go into to management or coaching, which is a huge workload, almost bigger in, in some ways. Uh, see that's then that's the unknown. See, you you'd go away thinking there, you know, it'll be easier and like I would say, your workload would probably go up. You know, so it's. Um, well, if you're, if, we, we if, you're doing, another... if you're looking to do it right, it would go up. I suppose you could just land there and you know do a bit of training. If you wanted to be very good at it and do the outside analysis, you know, and organise backroom teams, I suppose it, yeah. it would be. Yeah, and you're like it, 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 there's no question, and it's uh, like with depending what sort of level of team you're going to. Like you, if you go into a club team, you'll be doing most of that yourself. So your, your work is going up the way the club scene is going at the minute. It's nearly a little eleven month a year season. If yeah. you start in January, look, we'll be going right through to kind of October, November. So, like uh, as you said, hard sell at home. She's been very supportive to me over the years. So it's uh, it, it, it's hard to know what what what's the right thing to say at the minute. But yeah, listen, I, I'll definitely play another year for the club. Um, after that then we kind of see where we, we kind of move after that you know Yeah What was the conversation with James Horan like? Did he try to talk you around or did he understand it? It sounds like you had your mind made up this year was going to be your last year it wasn't kind of because you lost badly to Dublin or Kerry or anything like that you were regardless of how the year went you were you were going to finish up Yeah we we, we had the conversation last 12 months ago this, this month 12 months ago and it was Joe he, he asked me back into the squad and I informed him if I go back, listen, I'd love to give him one more rattle, but that's 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 me and the conversation. Then a couple of weeks back was just literally a phone call just confirming what we'd already discussed. I think he knew all through the year that it was going to be my last year. He said, was I sure? And I just said, I am, yeah, 100%. And so it wasn't easy, even though you knew you made the decision. But I'll tell you what it did. It made me really kind of enjoy this year. Right. Because 
when you know it's your last year, like going, to, like I've said it, like I'd never played in Killarney. I was kind of excited about playing in Killarney. Went down, even though we, you know, we got bet and we got bet well. You know, really kind of enjoyed going down there. Joe Sampson, the atmosphere of the pitch. Joe, you know, you've always watched it on telly, but you've never got to see a championship game there. Brilliant. Yeah. Got to play Meath in Co Park. Joe, you know, memorable day in, against Donegal in, in McKinney Park. And it made me really, really kind of enjoy the build up, the play, the kind of coming on, you know, that sort of way, because you always kind of remember that it's going to be your last time, you know. So it was, um, it was good. And we obviously got the National League medal as well, which is. Uh, which was a great way to go out. Um, you'd love to play forever, but sure, it, it just doesn't it doesn't doesn't work out like that. You know? Yeah, just then, even on a little bit of analysis about it, how big a loss you're going to be to Mayo because, like Killian O'Connor is top class player. He's more of a finisher, different player to you. Darren Cohen is a different player to you. Without you, the kicking game isn't as good and without the kicking game you've only one way of playing you're a running team and you're predictable do you know so, like I mean you're a huge loss unless maybe James Carr could potentially turn into a player that could play your role you know making the hard runs and stuff because Mayo need that person in there yeah and I do and I think it's a mistake that we've made over the years I think like you know as I was getting older people were trying to put forwards in for me I think we should pick the forward and build the team around his strengths do you yeah. know I, like there'd be nothing like Joe, who like if you were playing with Joe Higgins or Tom Kelly and they put you in and say I want you to be Tom Kelly like you know you yeah, you yeah. couldn't do that job because you're a different sort of player so what I'd be suggesting is Joe we get one of their strengths their set whatever it is whoever you play in there and you play to their strengths my strength was obviously winning the ball as close to the goal as we could and try to set up play yeah. Joe other people have different strengths like you've seen the goal that James Carr scored against Colman yeah. like I played for what age am I 36 so I'm playing now since I was 6 years of age I don't think I'll ever ever scored a goal like that <laughs> for a hundred years I wouldn't, I wouldn't score a goal like that you know so yeah. play to his strengths play to Darren's strengths play to Killian's strengths and these guys have different kind of attributes to me my as my game column was really really simple like it was just re- repeatability of something that I could do well that's all it was it wasn't really you know I wasn't going around kind of I was slow I wasn't you know I, 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 did, I was a decent finisher I was never a David Clifford finisher or anything like that I was a decent finisher it was really just kind of your movement yeah. your movement, your movement yeah, was something that, something that I could do well so them other guys the guys that you mentioned there particularly Darren Killian and James them guys have major strengths that I never had so let's work around their strengths and kind of let them kind of flourish in, in, in something they can do well. Yeah, I do think James, with a bit of coaching though, James makes an awful lot of runs out to the sideline, out to the wing, and when he gets the ball then, his options are completely limited. Whereas, you know, if he he's, he's obviously young, where like you gave up on, on making runs outside of the danger area, you know, towards the end, if maybe a bit of coaching and a bit of, you know, refining yeah, his my, game. Mine was very simple. It was, it was Tony McIntyre, I don't know if you know Tony, but Tony was like a really straight shooter. He was, uh, <laughs> you know, it was really simple. <laughs> there was nothing kind of complicated. He just told me one day, he said, Andy, if you make the run out the sideline, you're coming off. <laughs> so it was as simple as that. So I had to make the runs either side the post and I had to kind of get it. It was great because I knew then, like I always, that was my game always for the club anyway. So I really loved doing that anyway. Yeah. So he just goes, don't make the run out the sideline. We don't want you winning out there. So he, told me to stop doing that where if you've seen the improvement in James Kerr from 2018 to 2019 huge James Kerr can make that similar improvement from 19 to 2020 you're going to to see one hell of a player so that'd be my hope for James that he'll just learn the game as he goes along 
and he'll just get better and better, you know. But incidentally, like that was the year that Tony changed your game because I remember talking to you about that. That was the year you won Player of the Year, wasn't it? The the seventeen year where you actually changed the maybe the runs you were making to getting the ball closer to goal. Yeah, so in sixteen we had sixteen. I kind of forced my way, kind of got myself back into the team, really through good club form and. Got myself back in, was struggling a tiny bit to, to make any sort of impact on the scene at all. And then uh, in 17, it did, Tony, it was it was a really simple conversation, but probably one of the best bits of coaching I've ever got in terms of just saying, listen, this is what you do, but you need to have a manager to back you then as well yeah. to, to make sure he doesn't think you're being lazy by staying closer to the goal. And you know, in that year too, like I got an awful lot of help from Kevin McLaughlin Jason Doherty, the when my man was going up the field, you know, they were tracking him and they were helping me out as well. So right. there was a few little bits in it that helped me being the kind of you know, the focal point of the attack. So yes, my runs were good and we won a lot of ball, but yes, then you had Jason Jason Doherty, Kevin McLaughlin were really helping me, you know, it's kind of like some Mike Fitzsimons or someone went up the field. I literally stayed on whoever was left, you know. Yeah. So there was, there, was a lot, there was a lot of little, little elements of coaching in between it, you know. Yeah, that's great coaching. Sometimes I think people confuse coaching with doing good sessions. Good sessions with ball work is one thing, but for me, coaching is doing exactly what Tony McEntee did with you there and who picks up your man. I, you know, I, I think people, when they think of coaching, it might be going out and having loads of good drills set up and, you know, doing lots of ball work. Whereas hands-on coaching like that is what I call coaching. Ah well, that's the, the, the there's like drill based coaching and tactical based coaching and yeah you know the drill based coaching is you know what you do when you want to do a good skill session but in the tactical based sessions like you you'd see to be honest with you the likes of Dublin and Kerry in the final um like some of the coaching that was you, you, it was com- so evident it was unreal like the difference between do- what Dublin did in the first day and what they did in the second day the effect that uh, I would imagine that Tony Buckley had on that Kerry performance in the first game was absolutely huge. Yes, of course, he did well to knowledge from being with me all for five or six years because he'd studied Dublin so much over yeah. that, that period. But like you could see it in what the Kerry did to Dublin the first day. The second day, what James McCarthy did to David Moore in the second day was just incredible. It wasn't that he ran him up the pitch, but every time he got near the middle of the field, he just trotted into the 13-yard line which meant David Moore had to run into the 13-yard line. James McCarthy didn't even want the balls, you know? And he was just kind of tiring Moore and out. The first day, like David Moore had, had, had won like a game that, you know, yeah, you dream of having it in all around the The second day, James McCarthy goes on him, runs him into the full forward line. What does David Moore have to do then when the ball goes wide? He's to run back out to the 50, try to jump for it, try to kick it, bang. James McCarthy runs into the 13, run back out. So putting... 20, 30 extra runs a half on David Moore, which you know, is only a tiny bit of coaching, only a tiny bit of analysis and work, you know? Yeah, no, that's definitely definitely interesting, the, li- the little bits and pieces. But Dublin are very good, in fairness, to learn um, to learn from a draw. Kamira, I don't want to end on a, on a bad note, but obviously you, you, you lost a lot of All-Irelands. Is there anyone? <laughs> is there anyone in particular that kind of sticks sticks in your mind as you go? How would you, you, <laughs> you know what that end on a bad note? Right? <laughs> uh, I, I won't finish no, on this, is, but is there, there is, is there anyone that sticks in your mind that went Jesus? That is it, Lee Keegan goal? Maybe that you know at, towards the end of that game that y- y- you maybe should have pushed on, or is there any other one? Maybe. Yeah, I don't think there's any. You you see it in every sport, like the the like, and we're we're facing it again on Saturday. We're playing the champions from last year who know how to win county finals. We were playing Dublin, 
who know how to win all Ireland's and the amount of all Ireland's of big games Dublin have won by a point or stuck in and draw you learn that by being there and doing it you know so we lost the, the 2015 I think it's that run between 15, 16 and 17 we lost a replay to, to Dublin in 15 we lost to a replay in Dublin in 16 and we lost to a Dean Rock free in 17 so any one of those kind of three defeats are, are really sticking in my mind you can go back as far as 14 we lost to Kerry and Kerry going to win the all Ireland to to beat beat Donegal in the final. So yeah. that kind of run between fourteen and seventeen, I think, was our was a real big opportunity. After we lost two all Ireland, I think we had a real opportunity then to push on. But listen, we, we we've come up against a team who've won five in a row. You know, yeah. first time in the history of the game it's been done. Um, done. That's no mean feat and. You know, could we have won the All Ireland? hundred percent, we could have. But if Dublin lost each one of those All Irelands, they'd have said, "Geez, that's one that got away. That one that got away." They were that tight, and yeah. their little bit of know-how, their little bit of knowledge, kind of just got them over the line. And you, you see, like, sort of Cormac Costello coming on there. What did he kick off us one day? And coming on as some three, four points, like huge contributions. And it's uh, you know that kind of strength and depth has, has always stood to them. And I think it, it probably stood to them again this year. You know, when you see Merchant coming on playing so well in the All Ireland final in the replay, you know. Yeah, listen, they're definitely loads of loads of players. It's a Saturday night county final this weekend. Is that a little bit of a weird one? It's not for you because you've played loads of Super Eight games and everything on a Saturday night. But I suppose with the young fellas, yeah. it's keeping them kind of we're, occupied we're during the day. Wooly, if you have any babysitters, send them down to us. We're struggling. <laughs> we're struggling to get. I'm struggling to get my wife to the game. So it's uh, yeah, it's a weird one. It, it, it really doesn't matter. Like it's as a player, it's probably better to play in the evening because you're so used to training in the evening. So it, it, it's it, it's probably good, but it's. Uh, as a spectator, it's tough on them, if I'm being honest. But listen, it's going to be great atmosphere. I think our boys are young, they're kind of fresh, and they're probably thinking about the game and then probably going out a bit afterwards. So listen, they're they're happy enough with Saturday night, you know? Yeah, and just finally, it's not on uh, TG Cahir, which usually would be. I think Mayo TV have this all locked down now when you subscribe to it. So that's the way it's it's shown kind of locally. Yeah, and to be to be fair to me, old JJ, uh, they've showed all the games, quarterfinals, semifinals, and so if they want the rights to the final, they're well entitled to do that too. So um, I wouldn't hold that against them in, in, in that regard because, like, we get great access to the games. Like, we, yeah. You can nearly see a last group. You can see a last group game here on your laptop. You know, watch it. So I'm not going to give out about the final because I've watched every game. You know, of the club championship this year because of my OJ TV, so it's 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 a great service and you know, like it's pity that like I prefer it finals on the Sunday because the kids will be able to go. But listen, if that's the way they have to get it, I think they deserve it now at this stage. You know. Yeah, exactly. Listen, Andy, thanks very much for giving us uh, your time. Best of luck in the final, and if you win it, we'll see you in action. I'm sure in the Connacht Club on TG Cahir. Okay, thanks very much. Cheers. Remember my mother, Gladys Mercenary, she's dead. She's eight years this year. She never saw me hauling live, but she always went to the matches to the hotel, the two finals, and we got off the bus after the first one, and the first person to meet me was my mother, and she said, look, what's meant to be is meant to be. She said, keep the head up. I said, grand. No problem, man, thanks. 96, back to the hotel again, first person <laughs> off the bus, my mother. He says, ah, look, what's meant to be? I said, man, will you give it a fucking ride?
So loads of county finals on this weekend, lads, like I said at the start of the show. We're going to start on Sunday with the Galway uh, final. This is a very interesting final, lads. There's a few different local derbies um, going on. So the, Gal- the Galway county final definitely is um, Curra Finn versus Tum Stars. Tum Stars were in a relegation battle last year under club legend Jaff Fallon. So they have a new manager now, Tommy Carton, um, this year. So they're fierce rivals. They're only 12 minutes down the road. It's like, uh, and they're two of the biggest teams in in Galway. Tum have 25 titles, Corrafin have 20 and are gaining very fast. Tum, Tum have the most um, titles. So they're a big traditional team in Galway. The last one in 94. This is very interesting. I love these little subplots. They were last one in 1994 and they beat Corrafin in that final by one point when an 18-year-old Tommy Carton kicked the winner. Now, wow. all these years later, Tommy Carton <laughs> is the manager. Uh, Chum have won 14 of their 15 games this year. The only game they lost was against uh, Cara Finn. So he's got them super fit. He's done a brilliant job with them. Gary O'Donnell is their, is their main county player. But he just has them absolutely flying. Cara Finn are going for seven in a row. Another little bit to this, this is a home game for Chum because Chum Stadium mm. is the county final venue and that's Chum's home ground. And they used to be the county venue before Salt Hill was, yeah. uh, was, was built. So there you go, home venue for Chum, the big traditional force in Galway. Won't fear Corrafin, yep. <laughs> no. beat them in the last final. Local rivals only up the road. I'm going for a shock in this, lads. Currafin are one to eight, Chum are eleven to two. I'm going for a shock. I was surprised at the odds, considering that uh, the only game that Chum have lost this year was against Currafin. Just now, you mentioned some super fit. I was reading a report of their semi final that said their conditioning was something to behold. Yeah. So, and this is coming. They were nearly relegated last year. Pain me to see that Jaff Allen was over them last year when they. That hurt me when I read that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Gary yeah. O'Donnell is Jaff Allen's cousin. That's right. Yeah. yeah. They're at Carfin are just too strong. Like you, Chum is a home stadium. Chum might as well be a home stadium for Carfin. They're so I know, close. I know. Uh, all, most of their players would have went to Jarlets, would have played for Galway at various um, underage levels, and the odd senior game there as well. The Carfin are just. If Garfin is just the strongest team in the country, they're just too strong for me. I can't, as much as I love the romantic story here with Tommy Carton coming back, I just have to have to go with the, the sensible. <laughs> I think I've talked Conan around here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going on nothing but just what you're saying. And <laughs> I'm not going on much either. I haven't seen Shum. Like, I mean, yeah, anyone listening, you have to put these predictions in the context of <laughs> we haven't seen a lot of these teams you're talking me back out of it again will you? <laughs> this is like yeah that's amazing stuff from Tommy Curtin and like I'm just trying to think about the changing room you know when this guy who had won it for them yeah. as a player we don't fear these yeah. they might have won the All-Ireland ah just the expectation level he's probably <laughs> been saying to them since the start of the year we are going to be competing for a Galway Championship which is a big thing and that'll make you do a couple more runs every session the fitness levels that like I'm sure I haven't read, but I'm sure they're being written off everywhere. Everyone's probably back in Corrafin, so they've got that. They've got the ambushed. They've got the home venue. Ah, yeah, home venue. Tommy Curtin. I'm going to go with Corrafin. <laughs> 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 all right, moving on to Kildare, lads, because I think this is going to be a very long podcast if we get through all these finals. This is the Newbridge Derby. So this is another big derby, Moorfield versus Sarsfields. Moorfield are going for three in a row. Um, the two clubs, they've won every title since 2012. Um, that's the last seven. Moorfield have four, Sarsfields have three. Sarsfields beat Moorfield in 2016 final. Moorfield beat Sarsfields in 13 and 14. So there's not much in, in this. We know a lot about Moorfield and we know they have the two O'Connors, Jack Sons. They obviously did uh, very well in Leinster two years ago. They won it. Um, uh, Sarsfields have Ben McCormack, who's not committing to Kildare next year. They have Alan Smith uh, up front as well, who played with Kildare for a lot of years. And their manager is Davy Burke, who's the new Wicklow manager. So that's, uh, that's interesting enough. On that topic of 
Davy Burke and a new Wicklow manager. I saw a tweet from the Wicklow County Board this morning before I get your uh, predictions on this. And it's an, oh, here's the tweet. Open invitation. Do you think you have what it takes? Question marks. Senior football trials on Thursday, 24th of October. Contact your club to register your interest. <laughs> Any Tom, Dick or Harry can go to the trial. Let's, let's look at the two smiles on your faces. Imagine if this happened in Mayo or Derry. We call connections. But OK, if, if this happened in Mayo or Derry, would you go to, would you go to the trials? Uh, I wouldn't because I know where we get the piss ripped out of me by the, <laughs> the club players. But I know people in the club, probably in the reserve team, who would put themselves forward really? fancying themselves. Like, ah, yeah. you still would, Conan. Would you, Connor? I'd say you would as well. I no, see, I would it, not. You wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I would not. If I wasn't selected by my own club to go for trials, I had to put myself but forward. The, but I would there's not. no selection here. Yeah. The club's not selecting anyone. It's whoever wants. But if the club haven't thought to mention my name in any circles already before, and then I've decided, right, I'll just rock up to a trial. <laughs> Back myself here. Yeah. Well, he came over and threw this down in my desk this morning. It's like, here, all you need is a postal address. Away you go. <laughs> <laughs> that if you wanted, you need a postal address in Wicklow, land to these trials, and there you go. Your inter-county transfer. There, there you're in. You're into the mix so that, I thought that was funny do you have predictions on Morfield Sarsfield I'm going to go for Sarsfield they've pretty much been changing it over and back the last seven years uh, and I think Sarsfield is a beat, it'll stop them from winning the three in a row I'm, I'm Sarsfield too I'm going to go with Morfield alright ok so the Clare Senior Final another local derby so this is Kilmurray Ilbricken I have very bad memories of them and Portlaoise do beat Portlaoise in an All-Ireland semi-final in a year they could really have won the All-Ireland in 2009 they're playing Milltown Malbay Kilmurray are outsiders, uh, seven to four outsiders, and uh, Milltown Malbay are eight to thirteen, according to Paddy Power. Uh, we're, of course, we're in Paddy Power prediction section. Um, this is a huge local derby as well, so there's a lot of cousins and brothers and all sorts of crossovers because they're they're so close um, t- um, together. They have won two each of the last four years, but didn't play each other in any of those four finals. Kilmurray have won 15 finals in total Milltown on 14 now they're not at the top of the board but they're very close together nothing in this at all uh, Milltown Malbay are defending champions they made the Munster final last year so they're the favourites I'll go for them oh yeah I'll go for Milltown Malbay even though Kilmil- Kilmurray Ilbricken definitely won't fear them and have more successful recent history I'm going to sneak in a, a draw bet here Oh, very good. Okay. Uh, Kilmurray are breaking for me. It's that recent history. Just I know Milton and Malbay got to the Munster final last year, but always remember Kilmurray doing quite well when they came they out won of the They won two Munster, they won two, uh, Munster titles. And I'll tell you, the other year they won it, it was 2003, because Ballina beat them in the All-Ireland semi-final before we played Ballina in the final. And I remember watching that game, and it was a terrible day. And I tell you, anyone listening to this, if you're ever going to play a team... Don't watch their semi-final. It happened to me before playing Westmead at different levels. You go out of interest and watch semi-finals and you don't think they're that great. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was a terrible day. I had underrated Kilmurray Ilbricken completely and I thought Ballina weren't that, weren't that special even though I, I couldn't tell myself that. Yeah. In the back of my head, I'd seen them. Yeah. They didn't look that great. Kilmurray Ilbricken were much better than I'd given them credit for and it was a terrible day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's a huge mistake for any player to ever go... And sometimes out of boredom, when you're an intercounty player, there's not much to do with Sunday, on a Sunday after training. You might just go out of interest and get a look at it. No, your management mm. team should go and you should stay as far away from it and trust what they say when they come back. Yeah, even the management team need to take it with a bit of pinch of salt, right? Pinch of salt, but they don't bring the right message back. They bring a lie back. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And they, don't, yeah, and they <laughs> pick out some examples of the good things they did and maybe, you know, make sure, mm. you know, you're obviously, unless you're complete underdogs, 
and they might have to tone them down a little bit, you know, yeah, but they're yeah. going to come back with a lie yeah, yeah. no matter yeah. what way they want yeah. to do it. Semi-finals are for winning. Yeah, That's exactly. It. So Bally McNabb, this is the Armagh finalist, Bally McNabb and Cross McGlenn <coughs> again. Bally McNabb are 9-2 to two outsiders and Cross McGlenn are 1-6. to six. This was a classic final. Uh, Bally McNabb have never won it. They've been into two finals and they lost both of them to Cross McGlenn. One was in the 90s, I'm uh, pretty sure. So they performed well in the final. They have a sensational full forward line with Rory Grugan, Jack Grugan, who's an outstanding uh, player, and Gavin McPartland. Um, Cross McGlenn, you know, time moves on with Cross McGlenn. A lot of the names that we would have associated, especially up in the forwards, um, are gone. Rian O'Neill and Ushin O'Neill are the two big ones now with, a, with another fella called Keen McConville, who comes from good stock, as you might well uh, well know. Mm-hmm. So they're their main men. Obviously, uh, Jimmy Clark is is gone. You know, Johnny Murta. You know, the, the, the Kernans are gone out of the forwards. These lads that you would have yeah. associated, it's incredible the, the different generations that just keep churning out with Cross McGlenn. And as we spoke with Aaron Kernan last year after they won it, they're winning minors in a row, three and four minors in a row. They're going nowhere. Do you yeah. know what I mean? They really are. So we'll, you'd have to go for Cross McGlenn here, lads. Yeah, Cross McGlenn. Definitely. Although that's, that's, that's three mighty forwards you've named for Bally McNabb as well. Yeah, yeah. But that was it. Mally McNabb took them on in a shootout last last year and ran out of a bit of steam at the end. Mm-hmm. It was a really high scoring game. I think it was something like 112 each at half time. It was right, sensational Jesus. stuff. Or 112 to 15, something like that. Um, don't quote me on that. Derry final, uh, Conan. The Glen first ever final. Um, um, against Mahara Felt, who were in their first final for 36 years. Um, it's, and it's 1978 since they last won it. So Mahara Felt, if everybody can't remember, they are the team that the video went around about against Slocknail last year. So they play a very defensive style and they're a running team. They've got powerful runners. If you want to play to your strengths, that's fine. Um, play a running team. They did take it to new extremes last year against Slocknail. I wouldn't say they're that extreme now. Glenn are four to seven favourites here, Conan, even though they've never been in a final before. And Mahara Felt are 15 to 8 outsiders. Yeah, I'm sort of thinking Mahara Felt myself, even though I can see why Glenn are favourites. They, they just have a bit more punch about them or something. And right. like, you know, anybody with Emmett Bradley just running free from centre forward. He's the big one, isn't yeah, he? He's going to cause you trouble. Danny Talon's inside for Glenn as well. He's just lightning sharp. Well, is that not, is Marafel's not going to get spooked by this and do what they did to Slock Nail? Is this, a, is this, are we telling supporters this is not going to be an attractive game <laughs> No, to watch. no, I think it will be because I think Mara felt like anything is just a, a natural progression from what they were last year. And they, they've, I always think that they're like a team of halfbacks almost. They're just su- such natural runners. But they have Anton McElhoom inside who's just deadly alongside Cormac Murphy. That means Emmett McGuckin's free around the forward line midfield to do whatever he wants. He would have been full forward for about 10 years with Derry. And if Danny Heveron, who became one of Derry's best players there until he, he went away to Australia, I think. And his brother Shane, he runs. So they do have a bit of a bit of bite as well. They could, they could sort of turn a game for them. Like you know, Danny and Shane are just great runners too. But they will add a bit of quality going forward. I think Mahara Felt will have the setup. Everybody is raving. I know we were sort of joking about that video. It wasn't that funny? Like you know, last year. Yeah. But Adrian Cush got a bit of a backlash because of it. But. Everyone seems to be raving about him and the job he's doing there. That so. setup generally doesn't work anymore because if Glenn have a half decent manager, they'll play that possession game. It'll be a terrible game to watch, but you know the the better forwards will still probably beat that. You know what I mean? Mm. So we saw that with Trillick and Ergil Kieran, <coughs> especially last year. If you don't go to try and win the game, if you go with that dropping off, yeah. Keen Mackey was saying that even Cavan club football, you know, you're trying to move away from that and Ramor. United played it and they were able to beat them by holding on to the ball. Mm. You know, I think that secret's out, but um, be interested enough. Who are we going to go for here? Conan, I'll start with you. You're the more, more educated uh, one on this. Yeah, it's a tough one. I really don't want to go against Glenn because I've watched the, like most of their teams have these minor titles like, coming out of them and it's like, 
so many dairy players in there too, but I'm going to go with Maharafelt. Okay, I'll Conan. go with Glenn because I couldn't possibly back Maharafelt yeah. <laughs> after last year. You <laughs> I can feel dirty. Conan's convinced me. I think I'm going to go for Maharafelt as well. All right, okay. Listen, that doesn't mean we're promoting their no. style of play. We think that it might get over the line. Donegal, Guidor versus Nave Connell. This is obviously a repeat of last year's uh, final. Guidor, 8-13 to 13 favourites. Nave Connell, 7-4. to four. Um, Guidor, obviously, Ulster champions. I can't see anything based on last year's final, which I watched, which Guidor won convincingly. I think it was 17-1-7. to one, seven. Nave Connell just... Uh, again, their system is to try and stop the opposition rather than go and try and win the game. And unless they've changed their tactics this year, I can see Guidor uh, winning that one. Thompson against McNeilish, the battle of the two best lefties. The two good lefties, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Guidor. They, like, they really dominated them last year. I can't see it being much different. Yeah, yeah they might be going as well as last year. It wasn't the Bundor and the Rang Guidor close a few mm. weeks ago, but they, they looked they looked decent enough then in the semi, so I'm going for Guidor as well. Yeah, okay. London final is Fulham Irish versus Tyr Connell Gales. This is Fulham Irish beat Tyr Connell Gales in 17. Tyr Connell Gales beat Fulham Irish last year. There's nothing between these two teams. The the odds uh, reflect that with Paddy Power. is 6-5. to five. Fulham Irish slide out fi- outsiders Tyr Connell Gales. Five to six. Is Fulham Irish beat Nesden Gales, wasn't it? Jamie Clark and Kinnear Harrison's uh, team um, in the semi final. So, look, to be honest with you lads, I'll go for a draw here because these teams are so evenly matched. I think one one of the last two years was a replay, so I might chance that. I know a couple of boys used to play for Chair Connell, so I'll, I'll go with those because it's so close anyway. Mm. I'll go with uh, Fulham Irish just because I like Owen Mulligan. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> Who we haven't heard anything about his appeal. Um, loud final. This is a rescheduled one. It was called off because of weather last week. Newtown Blues, Nave Martin. I think we all went for Newtown Blues, who are four to six favourites. The Monaghan final. Contibret versus Scotstown. Kieran McManus has made Clontibret famous. I didn't know about them before him and I might not pay much attention Con- to them after him. Connor McManus. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say, Kieran? Kieran. Oh, God. I just keep doing that. Um, so Scotstown are going for five in a row. Scotstown, of course, lost the Ulster final last year against Guidor after extra time. So heartbreak for them. Um, Clontibret are going for the first win in two ta- since 2014 when they beat Scotstown by a pint. Then Scotstown beat them by by four points in 2016. So, like, I mean, there seems to be a little bit of a, a rivalry between these two teams. I wouldn't think Clontibret will will uh, will will fear them too much, but Scotstown have too much quality, too many county fellas throughout their team, and Scotstown have been dominating Monaghan, and really they won't be happy until they win an Ulster title, and they got so close last year that I just see Scotstown winning this one. Mm. Remember that goal was going around last year, Kieran Kieran Hughes catching the ball about 10 feet above himself, and like in full forward, I just think when you have the two Hughes brothers, you have Rory Began, like you have the, the experience Scotstown have, you just have too many ways to to beat a team, and mm. I think that's what they have. Yeah, exactly. They were so close against Guidor last year as well. Probably mm. should probably won that, and then Guidor went so close against Carfin. So that just shows you their pedigree. For me, they're they're too strong for Clintibert as well. Yeah, Sligo final is Coolira Strand Hill versus Toral Strain. Toral Strain going Toral Strain going for four in a row. Eamon O'Hara is their manager along with uh, Jerry McGowan. Um, Coolira Strand Hill last one in 2005 Torres Strain are 1-8 to eight, outs, or unbackable favourites to go four in a row here and I'm going to go for them you boys yep Torres Strand Waterford <coughs> senior football final is Ballinacourty versus Rat Gormack now to be honest 
um, hadn't heard about Rat Gormack, had heard of Balnacorti before. So they met in the fi- the pair meet in the final for the first ever time. Rat Gormack last won it in ninety nine, Corti won it in two thousand and thirteen. So the two big teams obviously in Waterford are Stradbally and the Nair. Um, they've been dominating the they've been dominating the Waterford Championship. I think neither no final has been won without Stradbally or the Nair been beaten since oh seven. So and they both Balnacorti and Ratgarmock beat Strabley and Denier in the semi-finals. So here, got finally got through all that. Balnacorti are eight to eleven favourites. Ratgarmock six to four outsiders. How do you think here, lads? A toss-up for me. Might go for a draw. Sit in the fence. Uh, Balnacorti for me. Two for Balnacorti here. Yeah. Okay, Carla final is Mount Leinster Rangers. This is Hurling versus St Mullins. So Mount Leinster Rangers one to two favourites. St Mullins are fifteen to eight outsiders. They've shared the last ten championships six four to Mount Leinster Rangers, and they're going for three in a row. So we all know St Mullins um, got a walkover in the semi final against Ballin Ballin Killeen. Um, Ballon Killeen had a game, a football game put on the day before, and refused to play the hurling semi final, and they were right. And um, they would have been kicked out of it. Only St Mullins said no. Um, we don't agree to that. We want to reschedule it. And fair play to them for that. So for that reason, I want St Mullins to win, and I'm going to predict them. I'm going to tip them to win. Fifteen to eight outsiders. Yeah, well, we'll just all get in the bandwagon go here on, and get behind them. Go on the Mullins. <laughs> right, Cork final is Glen Rovers Imakilly versus Imakilly. Imakilly going for three in a row. They're an area team. Um, so they have. Uh, Colm Spillane and Seamus Harnady are their two big uh, names Glenn Rovers obviously have a fellow you might have heard of him uh, Patrick Horgan he's not too bad he <laughs> likes to run up big scores so Imakilly going for three in a row before that Glenn Rovers had won two in a row and were going for three in a row and McKilly didn't beat them they've never meet, met in a final before so Imakilly going for three in a row but Glenn Rovers are one of the really big hitters in Cork so there's a little bit of interest in this this is at four o'clock in uh, Porky Rin what do you think here lads? Never ever back against a Patrick Horgan team. That's yeah. the only piece of betting advice I can give. I'll go for Glen Rovers here too to to stop the three in a row. I'll go Emma Kelly. were on TV there a couple of weeks ago. I think they looked. Uh, I think they had a fairly comprehensive win. Saw a bit of it and they looked really impressive. So I'm going to stick with Emma Kelly. All right. So the Dublin hurling championship final is Coola versus St Bridges. St Bridges are into the final for the first time since 2003. So they're making great strides in hurling, not in football, like we mentioned. Coola here, lads. I'm not even going to ask you who's going to win that. Coola are going to win that. So. Um, move on to the Leash Senior Hurling Championship final this is Boris Kilcotton versus Ratdowney Earl Ratdowney Earl obviously knocked Cameras out in the semi-final um, with that goal from Ross King this is a repeat of a classic 2016 final that went to a replay the final score was 226 to 226 I was added up in Amore Park I brought Itzy's mother um, and she was very impressed with hurling um, really? she knew nothing about it um, from Spain Boris Kilcotton won the replay um, to win their first ever county title so like I mean they won't Fear Rat Downey Earl at all. Rat Downey Earl have Ross King, Paddy Purcell, Mark Cavan, and Jack Kelly, who all had outstanding years for Leash. On paper, they're a better team. Um, you know, whatever happens, Rat Downey last won in 2014 and they've lost two finals since. So they might have themselves under a little bit of pressure considering the team they have and they haven't won it since 14. But I'll still go for Rat Downey Earl in this one. You've convinced me. I'm going to go and with me too. Yeah. For okay, Burr St. Rhinus. This is a big one in Offaly. Um, Burr are outsiders 13 to 8. St. Rhinus are 8 to 13. It's a repeat of 2016 final. Rhinus won that by four points. Burr haven't won it since 08, even though everyone that knows anything about hurling knows the club Burr, um, who did so well in the 90s and in the 2000s. Um, they have Barry Wheelahan as their new manager this year. So I'm going to, I'm going to say Burr are going to win this one with Barry Wheelahan. Um, Getting them over the getting them over the line. 
It was at the Burr All Ireland final when they won in two thousand and two in Sample Stadium. So I've always had fond memories of that hurling thing. What the hell were you yeah, doing? Yeah, I just that? about to ask the question. playing the football <laughs> final <laughs> afterwards. So okay, so let's get this right. You saw the last five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the second half. I think. Um, so for that reason, I'm going with Burr. <laughs> I think somebody has to shout for Rhinos here. I'll go for Rhinos. Okay, Westmead final then. Clonkill versus Castellone Gagan. They're two of the big teams in Westmead. Um, that's on. Uh, we're not going to tip these lads because it's a waste of time. Westmead Senior Hurling Championship final replay. Kildalki versus Kiltail. Uh, Kiltail are going for six in a row. You'd imagine they'll win that. And then you have a Leacham Senior Hurling uh, match with Carrick versus Clunin Imont. Um, and again I wouldn't you'd be just giving a prediction for the sake of it there one other game is Carrigan of Antrim versus Derry Gonnelly of Fermanagh this is in the Ulster Club Championship I wish they'd just put it one week back and not have it mixing with all these yeah. county finals it's silly um, there's not, they're not under that much pressure they play off their final maybe two weeks before the Leinster Club maybe that's uh, why Carrigan are one to two favourites for this Derry Gonnelly two to one Derry Gonnelly have won five in a row in Fermanagh um, they haven't fared brilliantly in the Ulster Club in those other four years, except for 2017 when they beat Armagh Harps and then they lost to Cavan Gales. I think that was after replay or after extra time or something like that in 17. So they're decent. I just surprised Carrigan after the schedule they've had and the celebrations during the week. I fancy Derry Gonnelly if anyone wants to stick them into, a, into an accumulator to maybe uh, be waiting in the long grass. Their county t- f- championship has been done a few weeks um, and they've bit of experience in Ulster. I'm sure they'll want to progress. Carrigan will have celebrated for a few days, and I don't see them as one to two favourites. Two to one, Derry Gonnelly get on it in a little accumulator. <laughs> yeah, I'd go for uh, that too. I was going to go with Carrigan. Just, um, they, they did so well against Guido last year. Remember, they came from 10 down to oh, level it maybe, and then Guido got a goal at the very end and won by four. Oh, that was it, yeah. That's yeah. probably what the odds are reflecting, yeah. Yeah, and Carrigan won four of the last five Antrims, and yeah I just think they're a good team so I'm going to go with them alright ok listen that's it hope you've all stayed with us If uh, for those of you who have stayed with us through all those club predictions I'll say to you we'll be back on Monday the rest <laughs> of you won't ever hear this <laughs> won't ever hear this we'll talk to you Monday um, we'll review the, week, the county finals good luck the GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power home of the GA Hour hurling ACA and when I started running I suppose I didn't stop and when I got the chance to go all I said I'd stay going so I opened up we were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Warford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.